0: oh kathy right. you got kathy's got some fun fodder what i see what your historical event is it looks, yeah. that looks that like was a good perfect one <laughs> i don't even know that historic event. it's it's crazy like i took for granted I had, yeah i figured everybody knew it and then all of a sudden trump got covid and i found out no one knew about this
1: nobody knew about it
0: I was <laughs> like i could have been on cnn that day okay
2: Welcome to the Fascinating Podcast. I'm Matt Michelotis. I'm Clay Morgan.
3: I'm Jared Forresteros.
1: And I am Kathy Kong. And on this week's show, we're going to be tackling our dream movie projects. But yes. before that, we need to talk about revenge.
2: <laughs> In this troubled time, you've probably been thinking about revenge. <laughs>
3: Well, so have the orcas. <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
2: The orcas? Whose uh, story y- was this? Yeah, so off the Spanish coast, uh, there are orcas that are attacking sailboats and other boats that are going out on the water. So they've actually closed it down, unlike the uh, beaches and jaws. Uh, and they think it's because, as they've been looking at the orcas attacking, they think it's because they've all been hurt by boats, like hit by propellers and stuff. And they're not going to take it anymore. No, they're not <laughs> going
3: to take it.
2: Nope. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can see Orca social media right now.
3: oh man, I want to know who the Orcas are that are like, hashtag not all boats. Not. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're not wrong.
0: In the article, Matt, you found from Gizmodo, it says scientists have been unable to explain the odd behavior, citing stress caused by a lack of food or annoyance at the resumption of human activity following COVID lockdowns,
2: which,
4: yeah, I mean,
0: you know, we've seen bees begin to return to parts of America. We've seen now orcas dealing with recreational boaters.
2: The ocean is ours, humans.
1: Well, it was until... Until we arrived right. and colonized the oceans.
0: So th- I mean, this is a, it's an interesting article. <laughs> it's an interesting article. Like they talk about specific whales that have been monitored and known. They have names and uh, like they know when these whales sustained injuries and they're watching behavioral patterns. So this isn't just like maybe the, maybe the whales are angry. Like, like they're watching no. very specific family of, of, of creatures here.
1: Right, like Martha the orca is mad.
0: Uh, actually, it's Gladys White, Gladys Black, and Gladys Gray. Oh. Is that their oh. actual names? Yes, three. Ju- those are the three juveniles who experienced a succession of physical injuries between June wow. and August. Gladys. See,
1: there's future, the future, <laughs> Although, the youth, the youth it looks are like our Roman. future.
0: It, it looks Romanesque. It's not like Gladys Knight,
2: like the Ys spelling. So. You know, science, uh, science be I science know. and science with their funny little Roman numeral jokes
1: Does science. Um, know?
2: science. Come on. Uh, this so country this used to believe in science. Yeah, that I don't know when that was make America science again. <laughs>
3: uh, it was I can tell you exactly when it was. It was uh, the uh, Scopes monkey trial. That was when science won. Oh,
2: good uh, job. Good job, science. Um. <laughs> Okay, so we've been talking this season kind of about hopeful reconstruction. What, what Even beyond reconstruction, what could the world be? Uh, and today, we're talking about some things we wish were true of the world, some movies we would like to see. And this is especially meaningful to me because not only have movie theaters been closed and are still closed today for me, Uh, you may have seen this week that uh, Regal Cinemas has announced they're staying closed because uh, James Bond isn't coming out this year and a bunch of other movies are getting pushed back, right? And so the governor here in Washington has now said movie theaters can open, but almost all our theaters are Regal. (laughs) Really? So we still can't go to the movies. You guys don't have like AMC or even Cinemark? Not really, no. There's one hmm. uh, theater to my north uh, that, which is where all the people who don't wear masks live, and then there is a, a handful. There's one downtown, and I think one in Portland, maybe two in Portland that are independent theaters. There may be more, but you know, we'll see. I, I think the question here for sure will be, do you? is it actually going to be safe? Like I've heard you guys say at the Alamo, things have been really, really well done. I'm not sure if that will be true here. I guess we'll see.
3: Uh, AMC also did a pretty good job. Unfortunately, the Alamo just announced yesterday that they're shutting everything back down indefinitely as well. Oh, Um, because Texas is starting to. Well, uh, no, actually, honestly, again, their protocols have been great, um, even though Dallas continues to be a cesspool of Uh, COVID and everything. No, it's actually literally just because there are no new movies coming. Right, right. You can just keep showing Beetlejuice every day, but... Which, again, the Alamo has made, I mean, they've definitely made a, let's call it kind of a side hustle out of that, right? They show uh, revival screenings all the time or do movie parties and stuff like that, but still the main driver of their business is the new movies coming out, and you know, once, you know, when Tenet came out, everyone thought, oh, okay, this is going to be it. And then Tenet basically bombed in the United States, uh, in large part because New York and L.A. are still closed, and those really drive the markets. But then uh, then they went ahead, you know, Disney Disney released Mulan, which was supposed to be their big summer blockbuster, straight to Disney+. Plus. And that was kind of the death knell. Um, They, you know, they pushed back, you know, Black Widow got bumped again. Uh, I heard a rumor now, this is coming from one source who has been reliable in the past that Warner Brothers is considering dropping Wonder Woman straight to video on demand uh, in December instead of pushing it back. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, and then when Bond got pushed back again, that was like the fifth time it got the date got changed. Uh, That was when again, Regal made the decision first and then, Uh, Alamo followed soon after. So I really wonder how long AMC is going to continue to stay open. Mm. When again, there's just no new movies to show. Right. Which
2: which is why this show is aspirational today. Like (laughs) we're going to be talking. So we have broken it into three. We've asked each host and we haven't talked about it before the show. Uh, We've asked each host to pick a historical event, a current event, and then like a novel or something that they'd love to see on the screen so that's where that's where we're gonna did you did you guys all do your homework
3: was that we homework casting effects? our film in its entirety because yes no. i
2: did
0: um no, no. nobody that ever said nobody ever said in its entirety nobody ever said
2: anything about casting that i recall <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna go back and look at the
2: message i i actually heard that we were supposed to cast it and decided not to because i'm gonna try raising
3: the money for the films first <laughs> jaren's fake news <laughs> we're gonna go back and read the documents what is no. document? No, we're going to go
1: into sec- the next segment. We're going to talk about the movies Thank that we want to make based on a historical event because we are trying to keep our episodes a little shorter.
3: <laughs> it's okay. not going to work this time. Oh, yes, the shorter
1: part? Yes, it is because I didn't cast any of my movies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you guys talk over Kathy. She's just going to be like, I'm talking.
1: I'm speaking.
2: I'm speaking. Sorry. Thank you, Matt. Thank I'm you, Matt. I'm
1: speaking.
0: Thank you, and Matt. Speaking.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll go first because I did not know this was a thing. Okay. Cool. Bring All it. All right. Yeah. So apparently Woodrow Wilson had a stroke and what, they recently? hit it. They <laughs> hit it from the American public and his
2: Are wife.
1: Was well, as essentially Wilson? well he was a president. He was a, apparently he was okay, a wait. president. The
2: president had a stroke.
1: He had a stroke, and they did not tell the American public. What? Yeah. I mean, this was a long time ago. This was before the internet. So I suppose it was a little easier to hide things.
2: He from was the, the president public. during World War One. But so who still, how were they they were hiding it from like everyone like did his cabinet know like who who was on the inside?
1: I I haven't read too much into this because I just <laughs> recently found out about
2: this. I've never heard of this. If only we knew a historian.
1: I know. And then she pre-screened all matters of state. So essentially she was acting president. Wow. Because there was no succession and he wasn't dead right and he wasn't going to turn over power to his vice president so it so we had a we had a female president
0: greeting citizens would you like to hear some historical yes. background
1: yes is it real
2: though <laughs> yeah jr what happened <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I used to love teaching this because, yes, Wilson was elected. He said the country would not go to war. They went to war. So Wilson's legacy essentially is he's the architect of the League of Nations when the when the treaty was done to wrap up World War One at, at Versailles, France. And he was in poor health, and it really beat him down and wore him down. And this came up a lot recently, Kathy, right? Because we had a president yes. who was potentially incapacitated. So. Um you're right. The president's wife and, and as a matter of fact, I mean I I believe it was a second wife situation. So yes. there was there was a lot of uh questions already about, you know, just the the way we question leaders and their relationships. But yeah. We do. Edith Wilson. Um <laughs> they did not even tell the vice president. What? Um oh. the, the President Wilson was completely like in a coma. And they did not want to reveal the severity of the president's. So it was like her and like the doctor. What? And she's just like, I got it. We're not going to reveal this. I
2: saw like extreme left wing Twitter people saying like, President Trump is going to say that Ivanka has to take over. Like kind of like conspiracy theory level stuff. And I was like, come on people. Like that would ever happen. And now you're telling me it's basically happened before. (laughs) Yeah, like yes. 100 years ago. Oh my gosh. That's nuts.
1: For like I mean, a I guess month, that's right? why we learn
2: history, right? Yeah.
1: Wow. Did she was this for like a month? I mean, this wasn't like a day or two. Oh,
0: it was longer. It was months. Yeah, yeah it
1: was What?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, he was so he was elected in 1912, so like you're well into his presidency, right? So like they're pretty well established around the White House and 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 things like that. And she, you know, she she is smart, right? So there's this whole subtext, Kathy, of like a woman in this era as well, and what people would even think she was capable of. And remember, Wilson is the president who is like famously going up the going against the suffragists, and then eventually, you know, he he comes around on that issue way late in the game, but. It's, it's that whole exact era. So as a movie, the setting would be probably the women's rights uh, to mm-hmm. vote m- movement. Suffrage. Yeah. yeah, and World War I
3: resolution and all that. Um, that's crazy. I have one more important historical question about this event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it true or not true that until Trump, Wilson was our most openly racist president? Openly?
0: Yeah. That's, um, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, know. he screened I mean,
3: birth of a nation at the White House and openly supported the KKK. So.
0: Right. Um, and I think, I think he, he told been...
3: him to stand up and stand by.
0: Yeah, for some... Stand, <laughs> stand down. down and stand, stand by. Down, I, stand down. Down. stand yeah. back. Yeah. Was it stand,
3: stand back. back and stand by?
0: Yeah, so when you say open, I guess you mean open to the entire <laughs> world, right? Like because anyone there's... with
3: a brain could look at them and go, yeah, that guy's racist.
0: Yeah. I mean there's some other ones in sub- in subsequent years that weren't so hot either.
2: I my big question is, Kathy, who mm-hmm. who do you see playing Woodrow Wilson? Who can like sit still for like months like that? <laughs> I know J.R. would say Tom Could, Hanks, but I'm saying who I have who no would
3: idea. Yeah. Can we do some stunt casting and get Donald Trump to play Woodrow Wilson? <laughs> oh. <laughs> he has he has TV and film experience. <laughs> And may have had a mini stroke, so. I have, I have the
0: perfect that actor. That she hid from
1: the U.S., yeah.
0: Wow. I have the perfect actor for Wilson. Do you? Do you guys know who David Strathern is? No. You, I mean, you do, but okay, you probably but don't, don't know that scene. I've heard
3: people say he's the Tom Hanks of character actors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, he's been in so many things, I don't even know where to, like, reference him the most. But, yeah, just look up David He's Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. I just Googled. Google is your friend.
0: That's a great one, Kathy. I'm yeah. glad you picked that one because you're right. That would be a killer movie.
1: Right? If we were making killer movies. What would you do, Clay?
0: So I was thinking, you know, because we've we've done a couple, we've had a lot of conversations on this podcast over the years about this. And um I was thinking that, you know, with the Watchmen doing the Tulsa Massacre oh, of 1921, yes. we've just yeah. we've just seen that brought forth, right? But my idea is like, I want to know more about Black Wall Street, where its yeah. origins were. What did it look like in the early 1900s in this, as these, like, township upon township of African Americans were coming to be, you know, pro- prosperous? We know that there was, of course, also many other people of color that lived there that weren't prosperous, but that was, a, you know, that became, obviously, like, where they lived. Um And and just how like the internal like commerce went, but there would be there must be so many stories, right? And I read some of the names in the Greenwood area there. Um, And then I thought, in addition to this era of like learning about, and and obviously the you know you would know in the story that the massacre is coming, right? It would give that much more meaning to it because Mm -hmm. you get to learn the individuals. Um. I was thinking, you know, this ties into that era of the Harlem Renaissance. I'm really interested in Scott Joplin, who was, you know, Mm. suffering at that time from, like, racism that kept him from basically being the greatest musician of his era. So I bet in real life we would find crossovers, right, between the height of African-American culture of the era, the height of African-American commerce of the era. And there's probably just so many stories. It's probably not even a movie, right? It's probably, like, a a series or an anthology. Not even an anthology. Just just a TV a, show. Yeah, like a long-form show um that honestly I want to see. Like I want to learn, I want to I want to find out more. So uh, the casting would be so widespread. That's in part why I didn't cast it because it would just be so many characters over so many episodes potentially. But yeah, I think Sounds really cool. I think I that's just something I want to see.
2: I would watch both of these both of these things.
0: Do you, do do you all do any of you know like much more about that region, like from 1900 mm-hmm. to 1920,
3: say? Uh, I do think it's interesting that you would be in the same area as the Osage Nation. And that was around the time that the events that were covered in David Grant's Killer of Killers of the Flower Moon are covered. Yes. Yes. Um, So I don't know what kind of crossover there would be, but there you have two large minority communities who are generating significance of amounts of wealth who are then being undermined by majority white uh, institutions, systems and persons.
0: And, and for what I understand, Jay, I was reading. Well, I was I was actually in Tulsa this week for a couple of days, and uh, they gave away these these shirts that have the Tulsa flag on it. And someone gave a presentation of like what each symbol in the Tulsa flag represents. And it's <laughs> interesting because it's all in there. Like literally, the the tribe is represented, the um, the prosperity of uh, or, or the Tulsa massacre is commemorated. Like each color and shape and shade means something. So from what I understand, the origin of even Black Wall Street was um that you had this obviously it was all native american land at one point right and then you had slavery that had moved into the region and then you had all these changes so that there was a legacy even of um, slavery in the founding on the native american land it's it's all tied going back to like 1860 or something so that would be all part of what would be explored i think in just a like we're talking like three generations you know
3: so this is going to be a sweeping, uh, a movie that sweeps the Oscars that no one watches because it's too depressing. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly.
1: I mean... Well, no one's watching because we can't watch movies anyway, so...
0: That's true. That's very true. Huh.
1: That's depressing.
0: It won't be The Green Book, which I've heard is oh, the, gosh. Jr.'s favorite. Um, so, Jr., what would your historical event be?
3: Okay, so... Uh, I know, Kathy, at least you watched The Family uh, on Netflix. Did either of you, Matterclay, watch that? Why does no, that uh, documentary the about the, series? Like, Christian mm-hmm. political yes. group, right? Yes. Oh, was so, that so um, weird? Uh, who's the famous?
0: Who, who's the main actor in that? Isn't that? It's a- not an
3: actor. It's a documentary.
0: Oh, OK. That's right. That's why it sounds familiar. Go
3: ahead. Um, you might be thinking of Righteous Gemstones with John Goodman. No, go ahead. I'm with you. Okay. Also great. Yeah. Uh, So one of the things that it really explores is how a lot of evangelical support for corrupt politicians uh, can be tied back to the way this particular group chooses to interpret the David story in scripture where David is called a man after God's own heart. And so essentially anything he does is excusable. Well, not quite okay, but like excusable, as long as you feel bad about it, because then that shows that you have the same heart God does. Right. Mm -hmm. So we might call Yeah, exactly. Like David. So we might call this the star Wars theory of redemption, right? Where you can be a genocidal monster. And then as long as you cry a little bit at the end, uh, all is forgiven and you get to be a good force ghost. Um, so I would love to go back and do, this would probably not be a movie. This would probably have to be a, a series, um, maybe even a multi-season series. Uh, and I would want specifically to cast David as a white actor. So I'm thinking someone like Chris Evans, mm-hmm. someone who really gives us like Captain America vibes. I mean, like literally I want, him literally. To be, like, yeah, I mean, literally, <laughs> right. I want like, I want us, I want the, I want the the average American viewer to instantly feel like they're on his side. And then I really want to just want to chart what David does. And I think I would like the rest of the actors to all be uh, Middle Eastern Asian, um, to be, uh, to, to really underscore, I think the way um, that the, the David story is used to um, just to, to whitewash a lot of what happened and what continues to happen. So I would love to cast Cal Penn as Saul Uh, I think he has some pretty good dramatic chops and I would love to see him, you know, put him in a little bit of aging makeup as the story progresses, let him kind of start to spin out of control. Um, There's an actor named Ian Alexander uh, who is a trans actor who I think would be a really interesting uh, depiction of Jonathan. Um, I'd cast Naomi Scott. I don't know if any of you saw the runaways um the uh on the Marvel the run- Runaways, if she was in that, I would cast her as Bathsheba and Dev Patel is Uriah, because Dev Patel just gives you those really like good uh, dude vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. like and you see him you're just like, man, I don't know anything about that guy, but he's a good dude. And that's good what I guy, want wait, you. Yeah. wait, wait, wait,
0: Jared, do you mean Naomi Scott from the billion dollar film uh Aladdin, who portrayed Princess Jasmine? <laughs>
3: oh my was gosh. she also in uh, that?
0: Uh yeah, I am familiar. Oh, okay. <laughs>
3: Right. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Wait, uh, has sorry. anyone
1: else seen the movie? She was you? not
3: sorry. She was not in the runaways. Right. No, she's she was she's Princess Jasmine. Right. So yeah, Naomi Scott, that's Bathsheba. Um and then I would probably <laughs> cast uh Charles Melton as King so- or as soon to be King Solomon and uh ki Hong Lee as uh um oh my gosh, Absalom. So I'd want to go through the whole thing. David is oh. a David wow. is a young boy. Going all the way up through, seeing his terrible parenting, seeing what happened with Uriah, seeing probably what was a coup by Solomon to take the throne. I don't want to go all the way in and just show like it would be like Game of Thrones level intrigue. All of the all, you know, David, David is a mercenary fighting with the Philistines against the Israelites before he becomes king. Like everything. Um, Shoot. You guys, I would watch all of these so good job well, yeah, yeah we're, we're amazing if i were
2: a rich producer you'd all be getting millions <laughs> green lights
3: right green lights well matt what are you gonna make then
2: yeah okay. okay okay so we already mentioned birth of a nation which if you don't know if you're listening at home it was a three hour silent film that Ugh. uh popularized the ku klux klan because they were shown as this patriot they were superheroes like they're literally racing their horses against trains to catch the bad guys right
3: when you say bad guys, you mean who, black yeah, who are the bad
2: guys? <laughs> well, hey, it was
0: the greatest thing the for white no supremacy spoilers. until the Trump um, administration.
2: Okay, so there's this guy in Indiana named David Curtis Stevenson, DC Stevenson, they called him, who sees that, and he goes, you know what? He's not really a true believer. He he didn't believe in the racist ideology, but he thought this is a chance to make money. That's literally what he said. Uh, and so what he he's a salesman, right? So he goes out, he declares himself a grand dragon and he goes and recruits people to his new clan. But the clan was like for him, it was like a fraternity. There were picnics there were parades, high school bands, free barbecues, like the whole thing, speeches. And they all focus on patriotism and virtue. Right. And it's in Indiana. So there's not very many black people or people of color at all. So he knows that he needs some sort of hatred thing uh uh to get people in so what they do is they become anti-immigrant uh, and anti-immigrant especially in indiana at the time means anti-irish which means anti-catholic so it's a protestant anti-irish fraternity essentially and it becomes the most popular clan in the history of the clan he gets almost half a million people in it uh, which is about one in every three people in the state, every man. Uh, and uh, he gets 10 bucks every time someone joins and he gets <laughs> a little cut of that. And so he gets rich off it, like super mm-hmm. rich. Uh, and and, what, and, and it, it goes like crazy. It's, so, it's going so well for him. At one point, they're actually looking at buying a university. So it's Valparaiso University. Uh, and, and their whole thing was they're going to make a 100% American curriculum. Right. So a lot of the re- nativist kind of uh, rhetoric. So America. Patriotic like this- curriculum
3: to be taught to all the children. Correct. Correct. OK,
2: um, so it's taking off. In, in fact, uh, an openly member of the Klan uh, named Ed Jackson ends up becoming governor that year and it's gone bigger and bigger. So they decide they're going to do a big, like big, big, big everyone come together. Uh, we're going to do a giant parade. And where where they set it is right in the same town where uh, there's a certain university known for the large number of Catholics at it called Notre Dame. Mm. And as they're coming in for the parade, one of the students at Notre Dame says, these guys are coming specifically they hate Catholics and Irish. We should go like mess with them. And he gets 500 other college students they go downtown, and how they start is this. They go to the train station and they look for people getting off the train who look like they might be carrying robes, like in weird packages and things, because they're big, pointy hats and whatever. And they say, Hey, let us help you show you the way to the parade. And they're like, Oh, that's nice, young men. And then they took them in alleys and beat them up and stole their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> And then they start spreading, right? Anything that looks clan related, they're just destroying it. So there's a a building that has a inside of it, there's a cross with red light bulbs on it, which was a, a clan thing, like a fiery cross, right? So, and these are Irish kids. So this part's pretty funny to me. They start taking potatoes. And throwing them through the window, they bust (laughs) the window and they start breaking the light bulbs from the, you know, it's on the second or third floor. So they're hucking these potatoes through trying to break the light bulbs. They can't get them all. There's one they can't get. So they're like, go find the captain of the football team. And they find him and he comes and does it. (laughs) And, And then they're like, let's go up there and mess up the office. And they go up there, but there's a Baptist minister standing there with a gun. He's like, boys, you need to go the other way. So they do. Anyway, it turns into this big thing. They wreck the parade. There's no parade. Uh, And the clan's like super ticked. And the father who runs the university, like kind of the chaplain essentially, is really distressed because he thinks one of the boys is going to get hurt or murdered. Uh, So he's out there trying to stop him. And he finally convinces him, guys, you've got to come home. Like, please, you've done what you came to do. Let's go home. Uh, and it was this controversial thing, and they're kind of messing around at the university, trying to figure out what they should do about it. The clan says they're coming back the following year or two years later. I can't remember, but it ends up raining, so they they don't even <laughs> show up. Uh, so <laughs> very of similar rain? to the Proud Boys. There's me, thousands of us, and there was like no one. Um, you mean the Leathermen? This- <laughs> so so this is uh, so this is kind of funny. A couple years later, uh, that's when Notre Dame chooses their mascot the fighting Irish. Nice. So, what year was so, this? Yeah, I, uh, let's see. I can look that up. I just learned the story this week, which I, I think it's so, um, that's a great story. And here wonderful.
1: in the Midwest, we call it Notre Dame. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> Notre Dame. Sorry. Notre
1: Dame. <laughs> yes.
2: Notre like, Dame. Dame. Yes. Sorry. I'm a West coast elite.
3: Yes. No one uh, here calls it Notre Dame.
2: Notre Dame.
3: Do people at Notre Dame call it Notre Dame? They call it Notre Dame, don't they? They call it Notre Dame. I'm sure they
2: do. Uh, May of 1924. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, and they specifically chose South Bend because it's the most Catholic area in the state. So they were actually going there to kind of terrorize people, which sucks.
0: And Matt, what you probably don't realize is that some of those football players became very famous professional athletes that you don't know about. Oh,
2: uh, Sports like, ball, <laughs> like in like soccer or something, or what? <laughs> like in
3: football. It turns out that quarterback yeah, was Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, his, we know his that... actual name was Harry Stoudemire. Nice Stoudemire. That checks out. We know that Tom Brady he, oh, would no, never. No, you're right. Antagonize it says the he K-K. would be immortalized five months later as one of the four horsemen. Oh yeah, uh, okay. That, which apparently is Newt Rockney.
0: Yeah, Newt Rockney <laughs> and the four horsemen.
2: Those so he was—he was, he was the—he had the cannon arm that allowed him to use the potato
0: so to destroy the bull. When I used to teach about the uh, Ku Klux Klan, I know that they were anti a lot of things, you know, more than people realize. And we would talk about the anti-Semitism, the anti-Catholicism, and a lot of times students would say, like, you know, I I understood where it came from, and I know that there was a lot of anger and hatred against you know Irish Catholics in the 19th century. But is this kind of where it was
2: really popularized as a KKK stand, stance? I uh, I I think I, I could be wrong, but I think what happened is this gentleman noticed the already existing hatred. Right? Like as always, there's uh, there's some sort of financial issue. People are feeling strapped, and like whose fault is it? Well, whoever arrived most recently. So that's the Irish. Okay. Uh, hmm. And it, it was easy. It was easy to identify them. Right. Uh, Because a lot of them had accents or they were Catholic, so you needed an identifier and you needed an outsider, and that's that's who was chosen. So I think he just was opportunistic. I don't think he created it; he used it. And
0: um, who would you cast as one part of this film? Who would you cast as the? I mean, it's all
2: white people, so it almost doesn't matter. Like whoever. So So Gwyneth Paltrow as the leader guy, Emily Blunt. Right. He actually looks a lot like
3: Rush Limbaugh. Like, I'm not joking. Interesting. He, you take a look at a picture of him, uh. you're like, oh, is that Rush? So put Gary Oldman back in his Churchill makeup. There, there you go. go. And make him Cinema. have an American accent like in The Dark Knight. Gary Oldman will do whatever accent you like.
2: Um, well, I would watch all of these movies, including mine. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Let's talk about what would you so that's history. Well, I think is interesting, all these historical events we chose have such strong like uh, parallels to things going on today. But what would you what would you choose for a current event? What would you choose for today that you think would be compelling?
3: All right, let's hear it. Animated film.
2: Okay. About the Ooh. thirty to fifty feral hogs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yes, I would
1: watch it. You have to say no more. And
2: what is the, what is the plot? No it's more. Just, there's some <clears throat> is this like a what? homeward
0: bound
3: situation? Wait, I don't, I hogs, don't even do care. Do the hogs
2: speak? <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- yeah, yeah. It's animated no, it's, film, so it's right? It's from
3: the point of view of the hogs. Absolutely. They're just oh, trying yeah. to find a place to live and not be turned into bacon.
1: Would we turn feral hogs into bacon?
3: Oh, Kathy.
0: Well, wait a second, JR. This is a real antagonist, right? Because we yeah. know that there's a an evangelical farmer, right, who what, what was don't the know whole that thing that started evangelical. This? Oh, okay what, what was it about him his bias is showing
3: uh he was definitely a supporter of the second amendment
0: second amendment okay, yeah. okay.
3: so evangelical yeah, yeah. He, well, boy, when, when a, Let's get him. when <laughs> a famous country singer tweeted out his support of gun control legislation yes. this farmer in arkansas tweeted but what am i supposed to do when 30 to 50 feral hogs run across <laughs> my land and threaten my children
0: so maybe it's a coming together story, all right, Of how the feral hogs—first <laughs> um, of all, we learned that that's an offensive phraseology for them. Um, how the they, are how like they he come only has to six know bullets,
2: and there's fifty of us.
0: We'll
3: call them Freeborn Hogs. <laughs> Freeborn.
0: <laughs> that's the free
3: title. range. That's, free range. The title is
0: just Freeborn. Freeborn. Freeborn.
3: So I've got three three main character hogs. All right. Um. They I'm voices have, like
0: cgi voices
3: oh yeah okay Yeah. this All is right. a cgi Let's this is a cartoon movie cgi movie yeah um i'm gonna have rel and aquafina be the parents and i'm gonna have Patton oswald be the young hog that they're trying to raise up to have, find a place in this world it <laughs> doesn't have room wow. for freeborn hogs
2: wow freeborn hogs okay
0: oh, who's rel
3: he's an actor wow. and a comedian
0: oh that's not like a, an acronym those aren't initials nope Okay. okay, not familiar, Jr. He briefly
3: had a
2: TV show. Um, Was it know. called Rel? Yeah, oh, Rel. thought so. Um, I will. I will watch that. In fact, I. I am pretty sure my kids would make me watch it. Oh, I would watch that so hard.
3: <laughs> His name is actually Lil Rel Howery. Lil Rel. Oh, Lil Rel. Oh, that that helps. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, he was in mean, tag. Was oh, he's the. Have you seen the previews for Free <laughs> yeah. Guy? Okay, wait. Here, we guys. Go. He's in Get he's a Out. TSA he's the best agent in Get Out. Yeah, that's it. Like, oh,
0: oh, Lil Rel. Okay.
3: Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: The no, for real. Like he's me, awesome in that. Okay.
0: And I recently saw. I've seen him in a couple. Did you really just time. say
2: for real? Uh, come
0: on, for real? What's wrong with for real? <laughs> that's his name. Lorrell. Oh. Okay. Oh. Womp womp.
1: (laughs) All right, back. Really, all back in. Yes.
0: What is your current event?
1: Oh, it's the White House COVID cover up. Oh, real current. (laughs) Okay, so I was up the night. The (laughs) we
0: we must have messaged for like half an hour.
1: Yes, it was just me and you. Nobody else on that thread was awake. When and it was close to midnight here and the Chiron on the, on the news feed changed, breaking news, <laughs> President Trump has COVID or whatever. Oh, um, and because earlier in the day it had been announced that Hope Hicks had tested positive and it was news reporters, it was journalists who had broken the story. So it wasn't the White House letting the public know that this was happening. And so the way the story played out was that, oh, was Hope Hicks the first one to test positive? We don't know because no one is, very, is being clear about who tested when and when the president's last negative test was. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a big old cover-up. And then last night was the vice presidential debate. And while a fly took center stage for three whole minutes. (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you all need to just Google fly Mike Pence and you'll figure it out. Um, The vice president had something going on with his eyes.
2: Right. Like one eye was like really red, right? It it looked like he secretly Uh. had accidentally revealed his lizard eye. Was it infected or something? Or a pink eye? Both
1: eyes were bloodshot. Okay. But the one eye looked inflamed. It looked angry. Like if there was, if you had an angry eye that was slightly oozing and red, that's what it would look like. And it wasn't just like blown uh, blood vessels. Because I was reading Twitter and someone's like, oh, maybe. Stress, and he blew blood vessels. No, that's not what it looked like. I have had blown blood vessels right after birth, pushing out an eight-and-a-half-pound baby. Mm-hmm. I looked. My eyes were just bloodshot. His eyes were, like, gross.
0: Yeah, so people were like, isn't conjunctivitis a thing? And Isn't <laughs> that related to COVID? And yes. has he been in contact with anybody who's had COVID recently? Right, oh. and
1: no one has said, Yikes. like, you know, Last couple of days he's tested negative, but depending on who Patient Zero is, he could yet test positive oh my gosh. for COVID. So anyway, I think that this whole situation would lend for—I mean, it could be—it it could be a little bit of a comedy.
2: I suppose that it could be, right? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, there's a lot of irony involved in the way it spread, for sure.
1: But
4: um
2: bum. I, I mean, yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. And I think it's, it's rough because it hasn't been clear that the administration has been honest about the health issues with president Trump, which means when people are like, well, what's really going on with Pence? It's actually a reasonable question. We have no idea what's going on.
0: Well, I think the biggest part of this, right, is that he obviously knew he had it and he still went to those events. Like,
2: there's gonna there's gonna be a movie yeah the whole the whole week is just oh yes yes oh
1: yes yeah he was well
2: and the numbers as of today are quite high of just people in the white house who've caught covid from essentially it looks like this one super spreader event and it's kind of like branched out from there Rachel in the 30s now
4: (laughs) are we Rachel Maddow oh yeah we are
2: Rachel Maddow oh. put up a picture
0: of the uh, Judge Amy Barrett-Conan confirmation announcement or mm-hmm. nomination announcement. And she put a picture of the Rose Garden up and she was like, look, it's like an advent calendar of all the people who are going to test positive <laughs> oh, in the coming days. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: But she's not wrong. I, it keeps happening.
1: Right. It I keeps feel happening. Really bad.
2: I wish they had used this. I, and, and I know this is asking a lot and naive, but I wish they had used this to reinforce to people the importance of wearing masks. And, like right. and social careful. distancing, social distancing, but of yes. course they haven't really.
1: No, don't be afraid. Fear not the COVID. It's
3: a bummer. Yeah, it is. wait. Does this mean we're all on board with Advent now?
1: <laughs> We've always been on <laughs> board with he's Advent, Kathy. I have coward. the tapes. Oh.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Jarr, are there past always tapes? With his proof.
1: Okay. Do whatever. the
2: research. He says, I like, like some I sort like of Advent. QAnon guy.
3: I'll do that. <laughs> oh, Aaron, uh, Aaron. Okay, Aaron. I need sound clips. No. no, Aaron.
2: Don't listen to him. He'll make you do Advent. Also, <laughs> enjoy Christmas, Clay. Uh, you seem like the kind of guy who might have more to say about viruses.
0: Well, look, I the first thing that came to mind when you talk about current events is just like I was thinking of that movie Twenty Twelve. Right when we all thought um, that the prophecies of the Mayans would come true and the world would end, and yeah, the yeah. John yeah, Cusack that. movie. I was <laughs> like, "There's, there's gonna be like a 2020 movie. Like, how many 2020 movies are there gonna be just in general?" So I was like, "What would the, tw- what will the story of 2020 look like through the eyes of Hollywood?" And um, it's almost like month um, to month. The I, I just,
3: I just want to make it clear that the Meth Gators and Murder Hornets are going to have cameos in my animated <laughs> film. That's right. <laughs> okay, I will
0: leave all of the creatures to you, and the angry Actually, orcas, the killer orcas too. Yeah, we can, we can yeah. go seaside.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, ve- vengeance whales. The movie, that'll be that'll be
3: Feral Hogs 2 Seaborn.
0: <laughs> Seaborn. Oh, nice! Seaborn. Freeborn to Seaborn. There you go. Uh, so, Seaborn Willie. So, there's a lot of lasting images, you know, and obviously, um, there's so much death in 2020 that will be like a uh, sad side. Um, like that's the background, that's the setting, right? The, the apocalypse of 2020. But I was just thinking of it's really going to be like COVID plus Trump. And then I, I kept thinking of Jerry Falwell and like evangelical cover-ups and scandals. And in general, I was thinking of that. At first, I started with that Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, The Master. You know, I was kind yeah. of thinking like there's going to be like a Falwell version of that for sure. Um, and I don't know. There's there's other leaders, but I, I think that the one that kind of like will break through the national awareness level most will end up ultimately being Falwell. as like a symbol of how
3: toxic man, the relations were especially like when if it opens with him as a kid and his dad like building the moral majority and all of the you know like mm. it doesn't start back with Falwell building and it starts with junior growing up man that's that's killer I'd
0: watch so that. so I was kind of thinking about just the Falwell side but in general it's like I, I don't know viral trinity the, the 2020 viruses and it's like the intersection of covid trump and Falwell somehow is like making all of this worse but yeah, maybe just the Falwell story.
2: Uh that sounds pretty good. I watched that. Yeah, we're gonna have so much peak. It TV sounds pretty watch. terrible. Like Outbreak
0: I mean, has been done, the master has been done. Yeah, but you put them together. That's how you make a movie.
3: That's yeah. right. That's it's right. the it's 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 Outbreak directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, is what you're doing, <laughs> That's right? That's right. how you pitch that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bradley Cooper. Uh, I would. direct.
3: Again, Clay, I'm noticing a theme with you with like depressing Oscar bait
0: like that. Yeah, man. Hey,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: if I'm going to take Wait, my man. shot, I want to get a nod. Six million. Go. <laughs>
3: All right, Matt, what you got um, current events?
2: You know, that I don't have a story built around this or anything, but I would say someone I'd be interested in learning more about, I would definitely watch a movie about, is uh, Greta, Greta, oh my gosh, I can't say anything. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. Greta Thunberg. Uh, the young woman who has taken attention for becoming the spokesperson for the issues related to climate, uh, climate change, Hmm. uh, and, and has really catalyzed a lot of people in her generation and upset a bunch of people in other generations. Um, I, I don't know tons about her. I know kind of the basics like Wikipedia article kind of basics, but, uh. I think it's a really interesting story in the sense of a young person who says we we can and must change the world. Yeah, so I'd watch that. Mm-hmm. What tone do you imagine for this? Well, I, I was thinking a biopic, but I don't know. It could be any number of things, I suppose. Are
3: you doing like a Lady Bird kind of feel or like a young adult, <laughs> like is this like a coming of age?
2: She is a little bit of an odd kid, so you could definitely go Lady Bird with it. Greta versus um, the giant peach. I mean, I love when they like the giant hey, orange. Orange hey, we out. want you to fly to this meeting, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I must take a sailboat. <laughs> you know, it's going to take me three months." I, I think that's actually really wonderful. Yeah, I like it. I don't know. That's that's it for me. I know it's not this a big... will keep us
3: busy. Are you Especially, planning yeah. to cross over with the killer workers then, or should I stay away from that? Oh yeah, yes.
2: No, she would just speak to them and they'd be fine. Oh, no,
3: I know. Like, I'm understanding you're not pitching a, a horror film of any kind.
1: No, no, but I think a crossover would
2: be amazing.
3: Well, we could cross over all of these. Yes, so and many then,
1: like, into, like, Greta, that goes into an animated, like, she goes into an animated
3: world. Oh, there's, like, a whole segment of her film that becomes animated? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I like it. Really yeah. genre-busting.
1: Yep. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, with that said, before we leave this segment, you guys have given me one final idea. Because you're right, it's, oh. pre- it's pretty heavy, right? If I'm not going full on The Master, then probably I need to make my 2020 movie a musical, kind of in the oh. style of the Book of Mormon. So maybe Matt Stone and Trey Parker are going to come in and do some writing on it.
3: Oh, so you've taken a sharp turn away from depressing into farce.
0: Yeah, I think farce will, will get more oh. more of a hearing. So I'm I'm giving up my Oscar potentially
3: mm-hmm. for I mean the you can people. win best original song
0: that's it that's it there you go
3: I mean Megan Thee Stallion is gonna do the lead song for Seaborn so good luck
0: but... <laughs> well yours is the CGI yours is gonna take an extra three years to make so we'll come out yeah. in separate seasons Clay is gonna hit
2: first all right well what about novels let's take a story you love what story would you like to see on the big screen
3: <sighs> let's hear it Clay
0: All right, so I I struggled with this. I just haven't been reading like a lot. Again, we've talked about a lot of my favorite books, and I didn't want to rehash them. And um, I ended up after looking and looking and looking of thinking of what are some Stephen King novels left to be adapted that are good. And there's actually one that received a pretty good amount of critical response. It came out in 2008, and it's called Duma Key. It's not a short story. It's like 600 pages. Has, have any of you read Duma Key? I've never even heard of it. Right? That's kind of my point with this pick. So, JR, you haven't even read this one. I picked. haven't. So What? So, Duma Key is one of those rare King books um, that isn't set in Maine at all. In fact, it tells the story of a wealthy Minnesota contractor who uh, basically the opening of the story is him ex- uh, in, a, in a severe accident that causes him ultimately to change his entire life and uh, his marriage falls apart. So he goes to Florida. So, So this is the story is what happens when Edgar Fremantle goes to Florida and he's now trying to rehabilitate in some ways. And a therapist doctor friend recommends that he go back to something he once loved, which for him is sketching. And so as he arrives in the mysterious Duma Key, and begins to, like, in this, in this house that has a lot of history, try to kind of rehabilitate himself. It's a very small cast. I'm thinking Ethan Hawke as Fremantle. And, um, and what happens in the supernatural style of Stephen King when he begins to do sketches in this house is that uh, art doesn't just imitate life. Art kind of begins to create life it's very, it could be done as a movie, but like most long Stephen King stories, you know, it's, it's got to be like a mini series or a closed series. But there's some really interesting characters. There's some really interesting ideas. There's some people who felt that two thirds through the book, it's that typical Stephen King thing of like, this could be shorter or it got a little too weird. But generally people liked it. It's just, it fell in this time period where people just don't know this book or people who read King didn't want to read this book as is evidenced by like, you guys having never read this one. So, I think that would be kind of cool to have such a you know high profile property that hasn't been touched yet be done into a movie hmm. Hmm.
1: and since no one's reading <coughs>
0: <laughs> what's that
1: <laughs> and since no, no one's, one's reading. reading right
0: now.
3: I'm yeah. back it's, baby. it's
1: been hard. It's been hard to read. So it has been, but I would I, prefer
3: I, watching. <laughs> I uh I, I got over the hump and I'm back to reading. So I'm okay. yeah. I, I have read some. I read one book. Uh all right. Well, you know, I was gonna choose Mexican Gothic, but it turns out Hulu is adapting that into a miniseries. Oh, geez, already right. yeah. that's mm. amazing. Yeah. So I I went with it. You know, I couldn't get out of this without doing something horror. And I, I tried to keep <laughs> my current event stuff a little more positive, um, since reality is a horror show. Um, but I chose a book that I read over the summer and really liked called The Graveyard Apartment by Mariko Koike. Uh, it is a J horror, Japanese horror novel that Came out in like I think like 1982 originally, but was just finally translated into English. And it's about a young Japanese couple with a kind of a, a sh- tense, taut, shady past that's kind of revealed as the book goes along. But they have a they have a daughter together, and they manage to buy into this apartment complex that's really nice. It's it's like just beyond their financial means, but they can like barely make it work. And it's, it's located at the edge of a graveyard. And so, uh, yeah, it turns out real quick, find out that it's haunted. And, and what I like about it and why I think it would make a really interesting horror adaptation is it has a lot of themes that I think could be pretty easily translated to an American audience. Things like gentrification um, and really honestly, like class and that, that propensity that we have to live beyond our means here. Know mm. and buy, especially like housing and stuff. Like that's a lot of what caused the 2008 crash is people wanting to live in housing beyond our means and stuff like that. And so I think this would this would be a really interesting commentary on that. uh You know, the original is set in Tokyo. I would set it here in the United States in a major city somewhere. Um, but I would want to keep the cast largely Asian American. Um, without that necessarily being super commented on, but so here's this. So the, the actors from the runaways uh, that I mentioned earlier is actually Lyrica Okano. So she would be my main character, uh, the, the young wife that lives here and she would be, did any of you watch um, uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend? Yes. Uh, no. Uh, so the boyfriend in that, that is the whole reason she moves across the country. Vincent Rodriguez, the uh, third would be her husband. And then uh, in in the book, he has a brother who's constantly like kind of, you know, looking down on him and chastising him for, you know, not, uh, you know, not being as good as he could be. I, would, I actually would want to cast Manny Jacinto from The Good Place as his brother, and then I would give him a white wife, Sarah Gaddon. Uh, so that there would be a little bit of that that, that racial commentary going on in there. Um, again, I would want a lot of that to just sort of be a little bit below the surface and part of the part of the uh, the texture of the film. Uh, but I would definitely want it to be there. And I think I would like Jennifer Kent, who directed The Babadook, to direct this because it is a it's one of those films that's pretty slow burn. And by the time you realize how bad things are, it's too late to escape. Yikes! So I think she does a really good job with that kind of tone, and so I would love to see what she does with this movie. So yeah, Graveyard Apartment.
0: Ah, graveyard.
2: Even nice. Director. How about you, Kathy?
3: Okay,
1: <clears throat> I think I mentioned this a couple shows ago. Um, the novel is called Kim Tae born nineteen eighty two. It is a novel written in Korean. And translated, so it's been the book has been out for a couple of years, and um, I just learned that the author wrote the book in two months. Whoa! So I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Um, so uh, uh, she Cho Namju. And she's a former TV scriptwriter. So, oh. uh, and she was asked, like, "How did you do that in two months?" And her quote, I love this: "Kim Ji Young's life isn't much different from the one I have lived. That's why I was able to write so quickly without much preparation." And that, like, was a knife in the heart because this book um, centers on this young woman who becomes a stay-at-home mother. And it's kind of her, uh, I don't, not fall, but her her journey in depression. And the depression is really manifest um, and triggered by the everyday sexism that sh- this young woman has experienced since her childhood. And the book is placed in Korea, but it could equally be placed here in the U.S. So Mm. I really resonated. And then I was fascinated by this because I've had conversations with my parents. And the story has always been that they came to the U.S. because they wanted a better life for themselves and for their children, Uh, plural, but they only had one child at the time. And that was me and talk around like life for a young woman and how it would be better in the U S. And so it was really interesting to read this novel and this, this, you know, fictional characters plunge into depression. And I thought, Oh, so maybe not better. I don't know. Um, so I would love to see this made so I was reading up and apparently there is some sort of film adaptation but who knows when or if it'll ever be released there's not much information about that
2: oh it's been made but not it
1: hasn't been released and it's not clear like if it's done shooting or I can't find much about it Um, but it could be a movie it could be like miniseries it could be a k-drama i don't know so many options so many options k-drama i love (laughs) k-dramas so yeah that that was my choice and i think um i would cast scarlett johansson
3: (laughs) 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 oh she She
2: has experience playing she does Asian
1: asian american women yeah
2: Mm-hmm. Or just Asian women, I guess. They weren't yes. Asian
1: American. <laughs> just Asians. Yep.
2: Okay. Oh, there Kathy, are a couple
1: others. Right? Kathy checks Reese?
0: in on the casting commentary. Reese
1: Witherspoon. Has-
3: <laughs> well, there's a couple, right? I mean, what? if you're of a certain age in Hollywood, have you not done it?
4: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh,
1: there's that. That is funny. All right, Matt. Oh,
2: okay. Mine is based on a novel called Bannerless. Uh, by Carrie Vaughn. It takes place after the apocalypse, so it's a post-apocalyptic novel. Didn't she write um, the the
0: zombie in the woods story? I read years ago.
2: Uh, I think she writes werewolf detective novels or something. Also, um, uh, first novel was really. I'm good. not sure. Um, anyway, Bannerless, is the, so it's set after the apocalypse. They never really say what happened, but definitely kind of destruction of resources was part of it. So it sounds like there was some nature stuff, like things getting out of control. There was some overpopulation, different things. So they live in these small towns now on what they call the Coast Road, which appears to be either Highway 1 or possibly uh, I-5. Uh, so it's somewhere that's close enough they can make it to the ocean, but they're not right on the ocean, depending on where they live. Um, and it's small communities, and they have technology still, but it's it's really limited how much they have and how, how well it works. So like the community this story takes place in, they have one electric car, uh, it's solar powered, and they only use it for emergencies, like as an ambulance, basically. Um, or if they have to get really quickly to the next town. The uh, and each woman when she goes through puberty is given an injection that's reversible that causes her to be sterile, uh, to control the population. And it's not like, um, it's not like, um, it's not like one of those dystopian things where it's like, uh, this is the point of the book. This is purely for uh, population control, right? It's not to control women, at least in this in this story that I read. Uh, But so what happens is if you build enough resources, they turn it off so that you can have children. But you have to prove you can take care of them, basically. Um, And this is all done by the community. So what happens is in this novel is someone's murdered in town and there's a young woman who's just been married. She's just gotten her first banner. So the banner is how you can have a child. Um, and she's sent out to discover what's happened. And this guy who's been killed uh, is called Bannerless, right? He doesn't, he never became a contributing uh, part of the culture enough to be allowed to have children. Um, Kathy says privately that's, that still sounds like a <laughs> Yes. I think if you, it, yeah, so it, it overlaps into the story, like kind of the cultural cost of this. Um, but it's really interesting because it's from the point of view of a woman and it's written by a woman. So it has a really different feel than, it's not Handmaid's Tale. I guess I would say that. Um, but what's really interesting, I think for a post-apocalyptic novel, what it's really about is people who are surviving the apocalypse. It's not like dreary at all. And it's about the importance of loving community for building community. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, it's a murder mystery basically, but it's a beautiful book. Uh, and there's actually a sequel to it as well. So it does dive into some of those questions, but it's not the central concern of the novel. Um, anyway, it's a really interesting, it would, it would be a, it's science fiction only in the most, um, only in setting, I guess I would say. Um, so it's kind of a quiet exploration of community and family and how do we rebuild after after severe trauma to a culture. Um yeah, so that's called Bannerless by Carrie Vaughn. Um that sounds great.
1: How come so... the guys never get shots? <laughs>
2: Shots. Shots. Maybe they get shots, shots. Shots. shots too. I don't remember Kathy. Probably I kind of not. That part out. Kathy. Right. Oh my gosh.
1: Nothing gets taken out of your bodies I or really anything. I really want
2: to talk about that thing I <laughs> sent you guys earlier this week, but I feel like maybe we should have.
3: Um, Kathy, you might enjoy a fantasy series I've been reading where okay. they. It's funny because they still do the gendering kind of stuff that we do, like well, women are more fit mm-hmm. for this, men are still fit more fit for this. But like the things that are gender normed in their culture are very different from ours. So okay. like all like in the nature maybe everyone is a woman because they're like well I, like women are just more fit to be at sea you know and as a reader you're like what the that, like, that's like that's so weird to say but it's like that's the point right <laughs> it's like yeah we Gen- are stronger gendering stuff like that is weird <laughs> like, yes uh, yes What's it
2: call,
3: Jack? uh those are the i've mentioned them a couple of times the the baru cormorant um the Mask oh, trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: traitor so, the traitor
3: the first one is the traitor the second one is the monster and the third one is the tyrant but i, mm-hmm. I learned recently it's called the masquerade trilogy so okay um, masquerade. yeah but it, but again it's it's one of those things that's done lightly but it, but the author does such a good job of baking the gender assumptions into how everything happens that mm-hmm. like when when someone says it out loud in the book you're like oh i see that but again it's just so goofy for us, because we have different gender norms, you know, I think it really underscores right. how artificially constructed those things are, you know, but in a way that the, the characters in the novel don't feel it's artificial, right? They, they treat them the way a lot of people in our culture treat them, which is like, well, yeah, duh, like, of course. Huh.
2: So, JR, I know that's not your fascinating pick, because that's been your fascinating pick in the past. So that's what's right. fascinating you this week?
3: Okay, I'm going to do two, because, you know, I like to cheat. Yep. Uh, first of all, uh, it's it's tober Horror October. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a, a horror movie. Amanda and I watched "Vampires vs. the Bronx" on Netflix. And is that it, good? It's delightful. Hmm. It's okay. I heard someone say it was like child appropriate. Is that true? Is it like Goonies level? Oh yeah, definitely Goonies level for sure. I was actually marveling at how little blood there is in a vampire movie. Um, and i was i was thinking about the fact that the main characters are all like 13 and it feels like they made it for 13 year olds but not in a way and i don't mean that in a diminutive way i enjoyed it immensely you know
2: um it's just very really fun yes kind of yes like attack the block
3: uh, i was gonna say a lot of people are saying it's attack the block except it's with vampires in new york instead of aliens in london so sweet very similar in in all the best ways uh Yeah, and it's like, it is funny because it's like, if you're a 13 year old who finds out there's vampires, how do you convince people there's vampires? It's also like, this is pretty obvious, pretty early and like literally in the first scene of the film, but vampires in this movie are a metaphor for gentrification
2: oh, oh interesting. interesting
3: yeah so all of the vamp so of course all moving the moving
2: vamp- into the neighborhood and
3: taking it over and yeah um, Sucking the life li- literally the, the vampires run a real estate company and they're buying up all the property. oh my gosh like it's not subtle <laughs> um they and, i mean ca- characters in the film openly discuss gentrification like it's all in there like i'm oh I- it's not gonna be one of those things where people watch are like jr's crazy where did he get this like it's in in the text of the film i so, that it's super fun. Really? Yeah. It's, it's not really very scary. Uh, I would compare it Yeah, Goonies I think is, is great. Or like the first ghostbusters film, right. Where there are these monsters in the movie, but it's all handled like large, like largely with humor and fun. I mean, it's, it's definitely like, there's definitely some sad stuff that happens, but, but overall it's great. Um, the other thing I wanted to call out, did any of you watch the first episode of SNL back? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it. it's on our list. So Megan the Stallion uh, was the musical guest, and her she so as per usual she did two two performances. Her first uh, performance was her song "Savage," and uh, it was an a, a powerful statement about the personhood of Black women. Mm-hmm. And I don't, Kathy, what did you think of it?
1: Uh, the set was amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like visually, it was like. Oh my goodness, that is incredible. Yeah. Um, the lip syncing was a little off. Um, but yeah, the statement that she was making was interesting because I also saw some stuff on Twitter by black male
3: pastors. <sighs>
1: <sighs> so there.
3: Um, I thought I thought it was amazing. I've watched it several times and just have been really moved by it each time. Um, even at the end of the performance, like it ends with her and all of her dancers with their fists in the air. um, Mm -hmm. And she's not, she doesn't like smile or like, it's very like, whereas again, at the end of her second performance, like she's smiling and saying, thank you, like mouthing thank you to the audience and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, this one was of such a particular tone. It was really, really good. So Uh, highly recommend uh you can find it on youtube if you just want to watch the performance i thought the episode overall was as snl usually is has hits and misses um but but uh a lot of a lot of really funny stuff so um and and again that that performance was worth watching the whole episode if you had to but you can find it on youtube so
0: clay what do you got cool Uh, Yeah, JR, I told you about this album the day it came out. The new Queen and Adam Lambert Live Around the World album. Um, So Adam Lambert was on. I I watched American Idol for maybe two seasons, and he was on one of the seasons I watched. I remember him when he was Mm -hmm. kind of breaking out, and then he did some Broadway Mm -hmm. stuff and whatnot. Well, uh, he's just one of the most gifted vocalists there is. I mean, obviously, if Queen picks you to be, be the Freddie Mercury voice for 8 years you're doing something right. So um they picked 20 songs from these last years of touring and they made this album and uh I I just happened to hear it on the first day it came out. I was like this is amazing. And um a couple of the songs that are like my favorite Queen songs that aren't really the most popular ones are on there, so that was extra cool. And then JR listened to it a couple of days later and was like, "Dude, yes." And now, Jr. I don't know if you heard this, but it's—they're uh, in line to potentially get their first number one album in 25 years in the UK. Wow! So wow! They're either going to be first or second this week. Um. So it's just a really good album, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, as it's, with, it's just as a with a lot era. of
3: live albums, like it's really—it's really great the first time through to listen to all the interstitial stuff and like learn some of the things that happen at the live shows by like the fourth or fifth listen. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear this. I just want to hear the music, but whatever. That's, sure. that's what you have yeah. the live album.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Don't do, don't do music too much, even though it's like this core part of my life and I'm constantly discovering new music, but that one I thought maybe our listeners would, uh, some of them would be interested in. Who's next? Wow. Good oh one. yeah. Kathy. I just heard on the radio the other day that Walking Dead concluded. I see you've got a note here. I did. I thought it was, like, over. I didn't even realize it was still a thing,
1: and then it ended. It's a thing. It's a thing because the season finale like the series did finale, not right? air. Yeah. Well, no. No, no, no. That's what I thought, too. I was really confused. But I think no. because of COVID, everything was put on hold. <laughs> so this was the season finale. I, th- I think the last episode aired back in the spring Correct. and I'm just, I put it up there because in part when COVID hit that impacted filming and wrapping up and all of that for a lot of different projects and walking dead finale, I think was one of those. I- I'm not sure where they were in terms of filming or if they were just cleaning things up, but it just, I totally forgot about the show <laughs> and it popped up on our recording queue and I went,
3: Oh, totally forgot about that. So okay, I think it on, had horrible
1: on. low ratings. And- Kathy.
3: Yeah. What? Are you trying to tell me that you watched all but the last episode of a season and didn't feel a deep aching longing to know how it concluded?
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's weird what a global pandemic will do. Oh, I thought that was a commentary on the quality of the um, season. No, no, not at all. I still feel like I need some closure and all of that kind of stuff. I can't say that this episode did that for me because I literally have forgotten what had happened.
3: (laughs) I'm going to turn my camera back on so you can see my shocked face. Okay. Uh. Uh,
1: I literally was like, wait, what happened? But Peter and I sat down and we watched it and then we went, we probably need to watch the last episode again to put us back into the mental space, but it's out there. If anyone has seen it, does anyone care?
2: I also feel like someone must care because they're planning. I think three spinoff series and yes! movie series.
1: It was crazy because that series. was the other thing. I just have not gotten into any of the spinoffs. I think Peter was watching one for a while, and they promoted another one. I was like, oh my god, how long does the zombie apocalypse
3: last? Well, that's the trick the the first prequel, the first series was a prequel series.
1: <sighs> yes.
3: Well, and, and the next one's like about kids.
1: Right. It's like a parallel thing.
2: Daryl and Carol are getting a spinoff. And I Rick's think getting Magnus movies. Is getting a spinoff? Rick's getting movies. And Rick's getting movies. Yeah.
1: Well, does it matter right now because movies yeah. aren't really.
2: I mean, he's getting not TV happening. movies. I mean, they
1: yeah, TV. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: all right. The point being wow, that's a lot of Walking Dead. It
1: is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It is. <laughs> Who's left? Matt. Me. Uh, you guys, there's a show called Utopia on Amazon Prime. And I've been debating because of, uh, it has two kind of bigger names in it. One is John Cusack and the other is Rain Wilson. Oh. Uh, but, but they're not, I don't want to say they're not main characters. They are, but they're not the main core of the story. Okay. Uh, so I kind of walked into it, not exactly knowing what it is. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what is this? I was watching it with Zoe. And the first episode, basically, Utopia is a comic book. And in this comic, some people think that it's just like pop culture. And other people think that this comic has predicted worldwide plagues and diseases and things like this. They can see all these patterns that show you the things that have come. And uh, that comic was called Dystopia. And there's a sequel to it called Utopia, but no one can find it. Like the artist made it, but it never was printed. Uh, and what happens is, in the very beginning of the show, someone finds this comic and goes, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna auction it off at a at a fan convention." And then, uh, and then, yeah, everything goes very, very crazy and pretty scary from there. And I think it being a pandemic right now helps make the show even more frightening. I was watching it, I was like, "Oh my gosh." Like I was so stressed out at the end of the second episode. I literally stood up from my seat and was like, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's intense. Zoe and I, Zoe and I watched it. And then we told Allie who's living in California last night. We're like, watch it. And I woke up this morning. And <laughs> her Snapchat was just full of pictures of her, like showing scared <laughs> faces. Like, what is this? Why did you tell me to watch this? So it's, it's fun. It's not like, a it's not horror. Like it's not going to scare you that something's coming out of your closet. Right. But it's a, which is my definition of horror. Right. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but it's, it's definitely, it's frightening kind of conspiracy theory stuff. The acting is, is good. And the writing, uh, there were multiple surprises for me and that doesn't happen that often in TV, but where I'm like, Oh no, I did not see that coming at all. Um, so anyway, Utopia, worth your time, if, if you're into that kind of stuff. I'm in. I'm in.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to watch that. And,
2: and side side bonus, if you're old enough that you have uh, kids like I do around my kids' age, they don't know who John Cusack is. Yeah, they don't. So we're going to start <laughs> watching some of our favorite Cusack films to catch them up.
3: Awesome. All right, folks. Well, this has been episode 272. Uh, we talked about all kinds of things we'd like to see made movies. If you would like to lobby for one of these films you'd like to see, let us know. And if you would like to uh, tell us. What's that?
4: <laughs> if you want to <laughs> finance, finance anyone him, Also <laughs> let us know.
3: Yeah, great. Um, and if you would like to uh, share Share your own uh, movie that you'd like to see made. Of course, uh, we're just dreaming here. So let us know what that would be as well. Uh, Before we go, uh, any of you have anything you're working on right now that you'd like to uh, send people towards? Nope. Nope.
0: Not I I have
3: something. (laughs) Not I said to fly on Pence's head. Trying to keep voting in the forefront <laughs> exactly. of people uh, of people's minds. And so I came up with a little silly thing I'm doing on my Instagram and Facebook stories where I'm inviting people to vote. I basically did like a March Madness tournament, but it's a monster madness tournament for Horror October. Uh, so I'm pitting various famous movie, TV, and pop culture monsters against each other in bracket style. And there have already been some pretty painful upsets. Uh, Jason Voorhees beat out Mike Myers in the very first round, uh, and just just today, uh, today of, day of recording, oh, obviously nothing. Matt <laughs> um, the thing was defeated by the it from It Follows, oh, uh, which absolutely crushed me.
2: That is uh, an upset. It you is. know what? Even if they had de- defeated defeated it from It Follows, it would have just slowly been coming still. That's right,
3: so. so, which I think is actually how the movie ends, spoilers right it follows hey, sh- um, so yeah, anyway, you're welcome to go and vote in those uh every every one of us done as a poll, and uh I actually figured out that had I started on October first and done a done a 32 team bracket and done uh one every day i would have ended on halloween day with the final poll Uh, of course i didn't start it till october 5th so i had to do two a day for a few days to get caught up but by the time this episode airs i'm just going to be doing one a day so we have a few more left in the first round and then of course we'll be into the into the uh Sweet 16, where uh, things like Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th versus Jack Torrance from The Shining are going to be going down. So Voorhees, my favorite matchup is The Count from Sesame Street versus Blade.
2: The Count. <laughs> the Count all the way. It's going to be The Count versus Jason at the
3: end. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, if you want to, and then again, I'm, I'm every every day when I'm sharing the results, I'm reminding people to have a voting plan. So because by the time this is over, we'll be just a couple days from the election, and early voting has already started in a lot of states. I think they've said over three million ballots have already been cast in the presidential election. So oh, wow, yeah, yeah, they'll Nationwide. be
1: counted by a river soon. So it doesn't matter.
3: Uh, wah, wah. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> next week we are going to begin a two part probably two-part series, uh, talking about abortion and and uh, reproductive rights, uh, again, as a part of our, our Reconstruction and, and Dreaming journey. So we're going to be talking about uh, the role that that obviously plays in the election. And again, what a faith-filled uh imagining of moving forward in this in this area could look like. So we're really excited about that, working on getting some great guests. Uh, Until then, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know what you're thinking about. uh, And we'll be back next week with that episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. Wear your masks, be kind to each other, and uh yeah, take care.